Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome to Program Kids First Coming Attraction. I'm your host, Kiefer Blakesley. And today, we'll be talking to Lisa Sinderman, who has a new CD coming out. Also, the films Thomas Edison from End Circle Entertainment and The Hunger Games. Right now, I'm talking with an award-winning animation producer. He is the co-CEO of Splash Entertainment and also the founder of his own uh, animation company, Mike Young Productions. And has a new film coming out, The Norm of the North. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Mike Young. Mike, how are you doing this evening? I'm absolutely doing fine. Great to be invited on this show. Fantastic. Glad you were able to make it here. So, Mike, you've been an animation producer for a while now, and... So let's talk about your career as an animation producer. You try to tell me I'm old. No, not at all, sir. I think people as a glass of wine, they get better. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. So I'm testing, give a brief summary about your career as an animation producer for people who do not know you. Yeah, um, well, first of all, the, our company is Splash Entertainment. I'm Mike Young Productions is our sort of personal health company, but Splash Entertainment is based here in Los Angeles. I started business. You can hear a little bit of an accent from me. I'm I'm Welsh. Americans can never tell the, who is Welsh or who is English. They, they don't know that Christian Bale is Welsh or Anthony Hopkins is Welsh. They think of them all as English. Okay, <laughs> but uh, and we're very sensitive about that. <laughs> but now, in Wales, I started off as a copywriter in commercials and advertising, and I created a children's character named Super Ted. And Super Ted, we managed to talk a company into letting us produce the shows ourselves, which we did. They won a British Academy Award, and we, we, we simply copied Disney at the time, their production methods we put into Super Ted, which at the time was much higher than the normal sort of Saturday morning sort of animation. And so we became the first company that Disney ever bought animation. They bought Super Ted into the States back in the early 80s and and sold it here, you know, on the channel and on DVDs, etc. And so then we did a movie called Once Upon a Forest, uh, which we made with Fox. But I found it was very difficult, you know, being in Wales, uh, these days with Skype and internet and everything, communication is very easy. Back then, it wasn't quite the same. And so so fundamentally, I decided to move to the States, which was 25 years ago, and we formed the studio and we've never really looked back. You know, some of the shows you watch when you were tiny tot, like Clifford the Big Red Dog, you just pick that one. Uh, we produce all those sort of shows. We did shows like He-Man, Masters of the Universe. We did uh, Jakers, The Adventures of Pigglywinks, which Mel Brooks and which won eight Emmys just there alone, you know, as a studio, we won uh, something like sixteen or seventeen Emmys, two wow. or three British Academy Awards. So, so we, you know, we're an independent studio. We also own a TV video on demand network called Cabillion, and Cabillion is in about cable homes as well as it being on YouTube, of course. And so, for an independent studio, we run through the legs of some of the big boys fairly regularly. Well, sir, your resume, I would say, is pretty long, very impressive. E- even though you had a brief summary of it, I mean that. 
that pretty much sums up your career is absolutely impressive. Now, you mentioned that Splash Entertainment is an independent animation company. So what would you say from a CEO are some of the advantages, but also some of the challenges of running an independent animation studio? I think the advantages are that we can make decisions very quickly. We were the very first studio to work in high definition. We were the first studio to do a CGI show. We were the first, actually one of the first studios to work overseas in a country like India. And my daughter, and this is how old I am, is uh, was head of production at Sony Entertainment Animation, and she's now over at Disney. Yeah, Sarah. And when she was at Sony, and I told her I was going to India to work, she said, Mike, we'll watch and see what you do, and if you're successful, we'll copy you. And that's the... <laughs> And that's exactly what they did. And so for us, we can move very, very quickly in that regard, whereas the big studios sometimes take years and years and years for them to get things going. The disadvantages are that, of course, we're up against little companies like Disney and Pixar and DreamWorks and Sony and the rest. And so we, we have to be nimble enough to run through their legs. And of course, we can't spend $150 million movies and another 90 on prints of ads. So, so therefore, we have to think with our feet and actually produce something that's a very much more realistic sort of budget and of course to get it distributed and we're very lucky with our latest feature Norm of the North which Lionsgate are distributed in the USA and will have a wide distribution it's going to run over the Martin Luther King weekend holiday in January starting the 15th of January and we've got people like Rob Schneider and it Heather Graham Ken Jung who's that nutty Asian guy from the Hangover movies and such and, <laughs> and we have some great British actors like Bill Nye, who's an incredible actor, Colin Meany, and we have Gabriel Inglésias. So we've got Latin, we've got European, we've got American stars in it, just to help us on the marketing front when the, the movie's out there. What you're going to continue talking about, you're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and we're still talking to Mike Young about Norman the Noah. We're also going to be talking to Lisa Sinderman, and also the films Thomas Edison from Encircle Entertainment and Hunger Games. So we're going to continue talking to Mike Young about Norman the North. So you mentioned the cast in this in this film which there's a lot of great cast members I, I love Bill Knightley and Gabriel Iglesias is a hilarious comedian so let's talk about the, the history to this what really compelled you what, what was really compelling about the story that you would like to make into a feature film well we were very fortunate out of someone else's misfortune a company that had started to develop the movie found that they couldn't sort of continue with it so we bought the rights from them and then we went back to the script and really started again to be honest with you and I think what it was is that we've noticed that one or two of the recent big movies have sort of left the audience of kids behind them a little bit. You know, you I won't mention titles, but even some of the bigger ones where the kids are saying, what's happening, mum? I don't understand it. What's going on there? Sometimes they made, you know, from a different perspective. And again, I've got 10 grandchildren aged from 20 months to 16 years of age. I've got five married children. And uh, so we're a huge family and they're this incredible focus group. If it works for them, it works for me. Put it that way and so we tested out things with them we we show the models and we 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 have these lemon characters in the show who are absolutely hilarious in the movie so we've really got down to what makes kids and their parents laugh and you've got someone as nutty as Rob Schneider played a polar bear who, who goes to New York City and sometimes people see the trailer and they say oh it's like Happy Feet no it's not like Happy Feet no. yes it starts with some snow but the 70% or 80% of the movie is set in uh, New York City where of course you can walk around as a polar bear and no one takes a bit of notice of you you know that of Los Angeles <laughs> that's that and Los Angeles yeah so so I think it was that it was the sheer comedy that was in 
in the, the show that really attracts to it. And we thought, look, this could be a breath of fresh air with very young children. And of course, as I said, you have to make it for maybe the a grimly realistic budget compared to the big guys. But we use a lot of our television know-how where, you know, a, an average 26 half-hour series is like making seven movies. And you have to make those in 15 months. So this took longer. Obviously, the quality is much higher. But we, we tried our very best to sort of, you know, I think the man in the street and the woman and the kid in the street will look at this movie and, and they won't see a lot of differences between it and some of the bigger guys. They are there, I admit. We're not Pixar, but but basically, I think they'll get a lot of laughs and kicks out of it. Well, that's what makes your production company unique. I mean, it's not entirely like the big leagues, but I think the story will come through. And that's what really is important is the story and characters that come through rather than just animation quality. Because there's some yeah. animation films that have great quality, but the story can be lacking. No, Kefir, very wise words. You know, you, you when you look at some of the big shows, the most popular shows in the country, things like the Cartoon Network shows and Disney Channel shows, sometimes they're the ones that actually don't have fantastic animation in it. The Simpsons doesn't have fantastic animation in it, but the scripts and the stories and the characters are so compelling. You know, we're way above that sort of quality, but at the same time, I remember Warner Brothers spending millions and millions of dollars on shows, and then they bought a show called Pokemon, which we all look at as animators, <laughs> and we say, well, that's not very good, but the kids absolutely loved it. So you, you hit the nail on the head. It's something that's kid-centric that kids really love and get a kick out of. Now, you mentioned that you have a very interesting focus group, but <laughs> what's the, what do you find is really important to give kids quality entertainment? Why do you um, think you should say? Well, yes, yes. Well, first of all, they're a very discerning audience. They'll, they'll vote with their feet, you know, very quickly if you don't entertain them. So that's, the, you know, like children are, are, are almost the first, you know, when I got a 20-month-old grandson who can use an iPad better than me, I've got to start to worry, you know what I mean? And so children are used to the get it now syndrome, which is why Kabillion started. You know, children no longer think my favorite shows at nine o'clock on Saturday morning, like yes. the rest of us do, is the get it now syndrome. So, so in program making, I think that you, for children, and you want uh, adults, you know, the reason why you have a Rob Schneider or Ken Jeong in the movie is that you want to entertain the parents as well. And so you're doing it at two levels, you know, within the show. And all I can say is that I think it's the funniness and the gags that, that really drive it for children. And by the way, in the focus group, when they were asked, what was the story about? They could pitch the story back. 300 kids in an AMC theater and they could say, well, it's about a polar bear who's protecting his environment. They got the nitty gritty of the storyline, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, was really refreshing for us as well. Well, I believe this film has a bunch of antics and a lot of gags that, ki that kids will enjoy. This film is coming out in January 15th, 2016, so People, go, please go check it out. Mike, it's been a pleasure talking with you once more. You're amazing and hope to see more from you. Thank you very much. I'd love to do this again sometime with you guys. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Kiva Blakesley, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This show is sponsored by Thomas Edison from N-Circle Entertainment. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. 
We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. What do you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts? If so, make sure you tune in to the Angel and Harmony Show. Angel and Harmony have experience singing, acting, and performing in general and want to help you live out your dreams of the future. Whether you are interested in acting, modeling, dancing, or singing, this is the show for you. We'll even give you the scoop on being behind the scenes if you're a little shy. The Angel and Harmony Show is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. There's so much going on in the tech field. The tech team is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to the tech team. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kiss First Coming Attractions. We talked to Mike Young, who's the CEO of Splash Entertainment, but right now we're going to continue the show with talking to Morgan about Thomas Edison. Then we're going to talk to Michelle about Mockingjay Part 2. Very exciting, but right now we're going to talk to Lisa Snyderman about her new CD, Do You Believe in Magic? So, Lisa, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you so much for being on the show. I personally listened to the whole thing. It was wonderful. So I'm so glad it resonated. Definitely. So, how did you come up with the idea for the album because it's kind of like a world like I remember I saw on your site it's a world with Harry Potter the woods and once upon a time just all combined how did you come up with that idea so this is my third musical on audiobook and I really got excited by creating a world of a combination of mythology and magic and because I'm coming at this as a musician I also thought that the form of a musical made the most sense and so I kind of I'm unique as an artist because I create fantasy musicals and they're full length. They combine dialogue, character voices, sound design, full score, and songs. And so I kind of put all of that together and put them on audiobooks and then adapt them to musical theater. Yeah, speaking of that, I instantly noticed it's very kind of different type of album. Instead of just a soundtrack of songs, it kind of tells a story of a few characters. Like overall, the entire album is them just each song 
song is different and separate story. So what made you come up with that idea? Why do you do that instead of just normal soundtrack with separate songs? Yeah, well, I thought about the idea of creating a full musical so that it's almost like theater for your ears and that your experience is very visual as you're listening. You can imagine the characters. You know, I conjure the characters and the songs and every part of the project is really interesting, you know, to me in terms of the research of mythology and magic and finding those characters. And I just think it brings to life everything as a full musical. Partly is because it really hasn't been done. And I enjoy kind of expanding myself as an artist. And it's a challenge because I come from quirky folk pop. And I come from what you were saying about creating albums you know, typical albums that are kind of discreet, radio friendly. And to do this kind of a project was really intriguing to me. I thought it was a very good idea. And I kind of thought it was interesting because, yeah, like you said, it's almost like it's a musical on your CD. So it's very nice to listen, like on the ride home in the car or something. So do you remember what is the first song you've ever wrote, you ever sang? Because like you said, this is now your third album. This is my seventh album, but my third musical. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. So the first song, oh my gosh, let's see. I've been in drama and performing ever since I was a kid, but I didn't do original work until I was an adult, probably back around 2002. And so I created a blues song, if I'm not mistaken, was one of my first called Nothing Special. Yeah, that's what I remember. Hmm, very interesting. In the credits for the uh, album, you actually do quite a lot of roles. You just don't sing. You wrote the song, you wrote the story, you did some of the editing. Out of all the parts in the process, what do you think is your favorite? Writing the script is actually my, my favorite. But honestly, the performing was also fun. So it's kind of interesting to be the artist and the main protagonist, Aidy. So the, basically, for people who aren't familiar, the story takes Aidy, this protagonist, and its adventures in a magical kingdom of Wonderhaven. And in this particular story, the kingdom is under a malicious curse, and Aidy is the only person who can stop the curse, but she believes she has no use or magic. And so it all really comes down to kind of a journey for her of discovery. Once she can believe, then things can happen. So it's kind of fun, you know, to put myself in that role and to perform as that protagonist. And I did kind of like your character. I mean, I instantly recognized the voice and I thought you did a very wonderful job. And just the whole idea too that these these music musicians who are doing the soundtrack, they're not only just singing a song, they're kind of telling a story, they're making character. In a way, they're doing voiceover acting because they're telling a story. So I think you did a very nice job and you also played a few instruments in it. Overall, it was just a very nice production. And what do you want kids to get out of this? Do you want them to get some message or do you just want them to enjoy it? That's a great question. So that's the other thing I'll mention is that there aren't a lot of artists that are creating specifically for tweens and teens. And so I thought it would be, for me, it's kind of a natural fit. I still like Harry Potter and I grew up with, you know, the Lion Witch and the Wardrobe and the Hobbit and a lot of different fantasy and I've really never outgrown it. So to connect with teens and tweens is one of the things I wanted to do. That's partly why I chose this genre of fantasy. But as far as getting out of, I think the whole idea of imaginative play, I think it's kind of inspiring to listen to something and then want to do something on your own. 
own. So as I mentioned, I adapt this to theater. And so what was so heartening or empowering to me is working with sixth through 12th grade actors to stage this and have them give me feedback that it was very empowering to do something new. As an example, a lot of those productions like Annie or Footloose or Susicle have been done before and they have templates. And in this kind of production, it's new. And so they have a lot of freedom to create their characters, embellish their characters, etc. So that's neat, that direct connection with teens and tweens and imaginative play. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. And today we are going to talk about the movie Thomas Edison with Morgan, also Martin J. Part 2 from the Hunger Games series with Michelle. But right now we're going to continue talking to Lisa Snyderman on her new CD, Do You Believe in Magic? And Lisa was just kind of talking about how her CDs are one of the only few meant for teens and tweens and how she worked with 6th to 12th graders, you said it was? Yes, for the actual adaptation of the musical, this is not for Do You Believe in Magic? I'm sorry, I want to be clear on that. I've done previous musicals and the one I did before this is called What Are Dreams Made Of? And that one I adapted into a theater play. So I'm doing the same thing with Do You Believe in Magic? And I'm involving adults and teens and tweens. And I'm finding, you know, that there's different kinds of experiences, depending if it's an all adult cast or if it's involving teens and tweens as as the characters, as you say. Very interesting. I'll definitely look forward to that. If you want to check out any new information about the album, if you want to demo it a little bit, or if you want to buy it, you can get it at her at the site for Do You Believe in Magic info and also on iTunes as well. So definitely check that out if you want to pick up a coffee copy. I know I'll definitely listen to the copy I got. And kids who want to be any type of musician, they if they want to write songs, if they want to sing songs, if they want to play instruments, what tips do you give them? Oh my gosh. Do anything that you envision. Don't worry about how polished the drafts are or editing or any of that. Just do it, get it out there, keep writing, keep playing. Even do it in your room if you know if you're really shy and you don't want to perform for other people. Just if if it's something that's inside you and has to get out, just do it. Don't worry so much about whether it's ready or even if it's commercial because a lot of people get in that position of everything they have to write is for a reason. They can't just make art to express. Yeah, and it's a very interesting point. Don't worry if it's not ready because everybody starts somewhere. I mean, the legendaries, Mozart, Beethoven, they started somewhere. They didn't just wake up one day, oh, I'm great at music. Uh, <laughs> music. I can do this and this and this. They practice and practice. So I think that is a very nice. Do you have any future albums? I know you talked about the musical a little bit, but any other albums or musicals you want to talk about? Well, as I said, you know, I'm in this process of creating musicals on audiobooks and adapting them to theater. So my next adventure is really that transition to theater. And so I'm going to see how that plays out to actually take soundtrack and put that and combine it with live theater to make more of an immersive experience. And I think that people who are interested in, you know, comics and fantasy and gaming and tech, I think they'll really be attracted to that idea of coming to the theater and having that be kind of a multimedia experience and more interactive. So that's kind of my next idea is creating that kind of immersive experience. That is a very cool idea and I definitely will also look forward to that on this site and on your site as well. So how is it to work with kids because quite a few of the voice actors in this are kids because there's a lot of kids characters. So how is that? Do you prefer kids to adults? What do you say? I love the magic, the innocence, the ability to basically be so excited and enthusiastic about the performance. On this last album that we just did, I worked with, I believe she was either 11 to 13. And even though the 
parts were small, it was really neat for her to be part of the experience because I saw the joy and it didn't matter for her that it was a small part or what size it was. It was seeing her reaction in the studio as we went to the recording studio or in the staged reading being on stage. It it doesn't matter. It's like it's embracing whatever it is. And I I really like that. I love working with adults too. I think as long as it's something that can compel somebody, then it really means that they bring something of themselves to the characters. That's all I look for. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about your CD and your career in general. It was definitely an honor to speak to you. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I really appreciate being on Kids First. And thank you just to mention that Kids First endorsed Do You Believe in Magic, along with five other children's awards. So I was really excited and honored so far with the reaction from both industry and all the people who've been listening. I definitely loved it. And I'm sure a lot of other people will love it. Like I said, definitely check it out at doyoubelieveinmagic.info and it is also on iTunes. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orse and you're listening to Kids First Comic Attractions. This show is sponsored by Thomas Edison from Encircle Entertainment. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Join us every week for the Paper Hope Street Team. None of our topics are off the table. This is a program that you can listen to and discuss with your family. From the pages of the Paper Hope blog to the internet radio airwaves, we'll talk about the topics you want to talk about, such as friendship and relationships, or some more controversial issues about sex, drugs, and underage drinking. Join the Paper Hope Street Team live every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Kids channel. Let's talk soon. Looking for an on-air community where teens talk and the world listens? Tune in to Express Yourself, an entertaining adolescent fusion radio program where passion and possibility populate the airwaves. Our vivacious teen hosts and star-studded field reporters from around the country offer stimulating segments and invigorating viewpoints connecting with the world campus of young people. We'll talk with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with experience. Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. Express yourself. We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh. Turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. 
Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and we just got done interviewing Lisa Snyderman for her new CD coming out, and also Mike Young. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be taking a turn. Instead of talking about Thomas Edison and Hunger Games, in honor of the new Force Awakens coming out, do you hear it? Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking to Jerry Oz, since he, being the biggest fan of Star Wars as he can, saw episodes 4, 5, and 6, just so he can get in the mood for the new Star Wars. Force Awakens coming out. Jerry, thank you very much for talking about this. I'm happy to have you here. No problem. I think you're going to win a Grammy for that. I was totally out of tune. I almost forgot the theme for a moment. So, you recently just saw the original Star Wars. These films are one of the contributors to what we know as cinema. So, do they hold up? I think that's the question to start out. You know, you can see these Star Wars. I'm not going to talk about the prequels. We are talking about episode 4, no. 5, and 6. Prequels is a whole different discussion, but... Totally. 4, An 5, and discussion. 6. Yes, indeed. 4, 5, and 6, they are probably one the most legendary films ever made in all time. It's George Lucas. This is pretty much his whole career. You can ask anybody and they'll know what Star Wars is. Like you said, it's the maker of cinema and it does hold up. You can see it millions of times. You'll always be excited when Luke Skywalker takes out his lightsaber fight either a big white snow guy or Darth Vader. It really just keeps you on the edge of your nerves. And I've seen the films a good ten times now when I've seen them again and it still excites me. Now, I've seen these films, but not recently so far, so I'm kind of a little blur. I remember when I saw these films, I was very open. I really enjoyed them. I really enjoyed these films, and I can understand why they've shaped cinema. But coming from a fan, why do you think it's still around today? Because I think what George Lucas did in 40 years ago, I think now, it's been a very long time since they came out. He did something completely unexpected. Nobody really thought it was work. He couldn't get any funding for the film. He had limited time. Nobody believed in him. And look at now, it's easily the most famous franchise in Hollywood. And it's just amazing how much much it progressed with a few TV shows, thousands of comic books and novels, a whole bunch of artwork, more artwork than you can imagine, comics. It's just so amazing to see how the universe universe expanded. And I think that's why everybody loved 4, 5, and 6, because those are the three films lasting six hours, seven hours, that created the Star Wars universe. See, I like this universe because most, a lot of the lore came from, uh, from George Lucas, of course, but the fans, I think, uh, took a lot of the lore, and they've really done some great things to it. There's television show spin-offs. There's been, of course, merchandise and merchandise in Star Wars, the lunchbox, Star Wars, the t-shirts. But, um, it's, yeah, I believe that's another good reason because of this lore that George Lucas created. And you're right. Before he made this film, New Hope, he made American Graffiti, which, again, a great film, but we've gone from Boys of Cars to sci-fi epic. Yeah. Totally unexpected. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he made a few films before Star Wars, but this was really the talk of his career. And I think that made him so famous that made him happy with that made him a little bit upset because no matter what film he did i know he did a film i'm sorry i forgot the name of it a few years ago and it did not get any close to as much famous star wars and everybody just wants more star wars and now with force awakens coming out in less than a week it's amazing you know now i'm sorry i like to be optimistic but i'm a little hesitant with this new force awakens film because it is such a big franchise and it is a very gigantic thing to continue the story i mean years later so what are your impressions about The Force Awakens. I mean, judging with what you've seen so far, are you excited to see this lore continue? You know, I am honestly a little 
bit hesitant like you are. I know a lot of big directors, including Steven Spielberg, said this film is amazing. And I have a lot of hope in J.J. Abrams because everybody's saying he did a wonderful job. I mean, the actor, Daisy Ridley, they say that she stole the show. But I'm still a little bit hesitant because it's been 30, 40 years since the last continuation of the Star Wars saga, excluding prequels because they kind of just told the background of the story. So it's kind of interesting to see how will it succeed. And of course, it'll break any box office record ever set before. Sorry, Jurassic World, you had your fame. It's time to push over a little bit. Well, much like Jurassic World, I'm thinking I love Jurassic Park a lot. Sadly, people are doing is that we've been craving for a good Star Wars film recently because, I mean, I'm sorry, the prequels, there's some good things in them. It didn't live up. I know we can all agree that it did not live up to the original franchise. So much like Jurassic World, if we see this film, I think we're going to enjoy it. But I think we got hyped so much and we finally got a good film. But is it good to its predecessor? So that's my only concern with this film. So let's <laughs> go back to the original films. What would you say, this is hard, your favorite film out of the three films? I know this is going to be very unexpected. A lot of the favorites are Return of Jedi, the last one. But yeah. I'm going to have to choose episode five, Empire Strikes Back. Because okay. the first one, okay, good guys versus bad guys. Of course, good guys win. Woohoo. But then you have Empire Strikes Back. So far, it looks like the Rebels are doing great. Woohoo. And then they get crushed. It's kind of depressing, but it's true. What happens, the heroes get split apart. One of them gets injured. One of them gets captured. The other two just barely escape. So it's kind of interesting to see that George Lucas actually put some darkness into the film because everybody thought, woohoo, it's a PG-13 film. Good guys versus bad guys. Good guys will win. In fact, I remember reading that there's actually an alternative end to episode six where it's much, much darker. The Empire wins and then the good guys uh, get killed. Uh, beloved Han Solo gets killed. And the final scene is Luke Skywalker walking in a desert all upset because he lost. It's the end. So it's kind of interesting to see that really it was supposed to be very dark and that's why I liked Empire Strikes Back because he did something very dangerous. He made it much darker than episode 4 was and that's why I like episode 5 a lot and it also looks a lot more at Darth Vader and our rambling Darth Vader, Sidious, all the evil people gives them more of a backstory. Definitely. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and we're still continuing our talk on Star Wars 4, 5, and 6, and also a little bit about Force Awakens. We're going to continue talking about that, and also we just got done talking to Lisa Snyderman, and also Mike Young. Now, Jerry, since we're talking about Star Wars, I have to ask about the effect. I mean, these effects, I still believe live up, so how do you think the effects are in this film? Judging for the time back then. Actually, a lot of people think that effects are horrible because it was made 40 years ago. If you're going to compare it to something like Jurassic World, you would actually see it's not that bad or Star Trek. That's another modern sci-fi film, the Star Trek reboots. It isn't actually that bad, which is quite amazing because, like I said, George Lucas had limited time, limited money 40 years ago. We didn't have CGI or giant green screens that we can do the world with. We had very limited things, and he had to build almost all of it. He did such an amazing job. It's just wow to think that he did such amazing special effects. Of course, there are other people, but just how much he was able to do with the resources he had, and it was really one of the greatest special effects ever done for that time, and it's still revolutionary looking at it because they did amazing more than anybody else thought they could. I mean, look at E.T. It was released a few years before Star Wars Episode 4. We all love E.T., but he doesn't look the best. Now we look at Yoda <laughs> in Episode 5, and he looks pretty good. Definitely, and I, I think what's, what's fascinating about special effects back then is that nowadays we just use CGI. Well, I love CGI. I feel like we use it too much. I want to go back to the time we use puppetry, animatronics, these living things. I love puppetry. Some people think, oh, they're entirely fake. There's some amazing puppets.
puppets and those amazing animatronics in the Star Wars franchise. And by the way, of course, legendary puppeteer Frank Oz, who did Yoda. I love Yoda in those films. I think he looks much better in episodes 5 than the actual prequels. I know we wouldn't speak of them, but we had to compare CG Yoda in the prequels, which was not terrible, but love puppet Yoda. Yeah, and I agree, and a lot of people think that because he is CG animated and all of that, he's a lot smoother, but there's just something realistic of an actual puppet. And I think it fits Yoda very well because he's an alien. He's a very kind of, everybody thinks he's a dumb alien from a distant galaxy no one knows where. And that's what I kind of like about him. He's supposed to look like that. He's supposed to kind of act like a puppet in his mouth movements. So they do a very nice job, and I don't like CGI for that reason. I mean, of course, for fighting all of that, I think Yoda needs to be CGI. I don't think he can do that with a puppet. Other than that, I think for like social and all of that, it's very good to do a puppet for Yoda. So with Star Wars, there's so many iconic characters. You got Han Solo, you got Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia. Uh, what would you say was one, is one of your favorite characters out of the franchise? I've been contemplating this since I first star, saw Star Wars. One of my most favorites, of course, is R2-D2. I love him so much. I have a kind of giant R2-D2 robot right behind me that has Christmas head on it. And Aww. yeah, he's one of my best guys. But I like R2-D2 because he's another very unexpected, very underestimated character. Many times, especially in the Clone Wars, a TV series that was also helped made by George Lucas, he is a droid that is very underestimated, just another droid that Anakin Skywalker uses, Darth Vader. And he does some pretty cool things. I mean, he can fly a ship all by himself. He can fly across the galaxy if he needs to. He can fight fellow droids in episode three of the prequels. And he fought off enemy droids while in the air, while in space. So it's really amazing to see how R2-D2 is just this amazing and this loyal to his companions. You look at other R2 models or any droids that have this astronomical droids as they're called. They don't do that. They're just, they have their programming. That's what they do. But R2-D2 is more of a personality. And so it was same same C-3PO. So that's why I like them. Well, thank you so much, Jerry, for talking about Star Wars 4, 5, and 6. It's been a pleasure as always. No problem. Thank you so much for letting me ramble all I can. Ladies and gentlemen, Force Awakens is coming out very soon. Go check it out. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. 
Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Our voices need to be heard. Tune in every week for Women Investing in Women and Girls. This is a groundbreaking program that spotlights global issues from the perspectives of young women and teens. Our program is aimed at young listeners in general, including young men who wish to be engaged in our global dialogues. Come join us every Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for Women Investing in Women and Girls and follow the global economic revolution on the Voice America Kids channel. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kiss First Coming Attractions. We've been talking to a lot of great people, like Mike Young, who's the CEO of Splash Entertainment, and Lisa Snyderman, who is a songwriter for her new CD, Do You Believe in Magic? But right now, we're going to talk to Kiefer about his new blog, which is all about the world of editing. So, Kiefer, how are you doing? Star Wars Force Awakens comes out December 18th, 10 days. I'm yes. doing fantastic. Thank you very much. When this comes out, it actually may just be like two, three days until it comes out. So, two, three days. Can't wait. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Kiefer, what editing software do you use? I can now say I am officially a Adobe Premiere Creative Cloud user. Okay, welcome to the group. Here is your Adobe Premiere. Here is your After Effects and all the fancy programs that comes with it. Anyway, can you talk a- for our readers who did not check out our blogs? Definitely check out our blogs. By the way, they are very cool. Can you tell us a little bit about your blog? Well, my blog is about the silent directors known as editors. I'm going to an art school right now and for filmmaking, which is a film and television conservatory at Orange County School of the Arts, and one of the classes we take is editing, and I'm taking editing one. To be honest, I thought I was the type of guy who said, I mean, editing's important, it's good to know, but it's pretty much just cut, paste, transitions, and there you go, you got a movie. A month or two since I've been doing this class, and my eyes have been opened, as people have said. I've learned that editing is so much more than this, and editors deserve more praise for what they've done for cinema. They create the flow of the film. They're like the composers. They create the crescendos. They create the fortes, the pianos, the footage music, and the editing software is the conducting stick. That's what I can compare them to. And so that's what my blog is about. Pretty much giving people the world of ed- an editor. You know, you're completely right because we're going to talk about Star Wars The Force Awakens because that film is upcoming. It's going to break every single record in existence. Right, but then. if that film didn't have any editing... Even if the 4, 5, and 6 episodes didn't have any editing, they would not be as good. Any film released today or in the last 5, 10 years without editing, they would be absolutely terrible. I mean, I know you love Avengers Age of Ultron. That did not have any editing, special effects, CGI. It would be puppets being controlled by cranes, pretty much. And it's amazing to think how much we go farther and farther with editing. So, Kiefer, what is one of your favorite tricks with editing? Well, I can tell you what I really admire, which I've been noticing more and more. I like the simple thing. Two people talking. There were some scenes where there, I can give an example, Social Network. Social Network has absolutely amazing editing with just people 
talking. And it's fast-paced, too. These people are very inte- intelligent. But the editing is so fast-paced, and it makes people just having a conversation interesting. It gets people involved. So, I mean, if you want to give a trick uh, about editing, I mean, simple stuff like that. A well-edited scene of dialogue is absolutely amazing and can make or break a film. If you want to say tricks, I would probably say the use of audio design. I've been looking at some audio design. I love, I love what I'm learning about audio design. The use of that is great, too, because audio has been... I, I, making my own short films, I've learned there's been a big impact on how film works is the audio design. So that's the thing, a trick that I admire about. Well, yeah, and uh, it's hard to ask because I couldn't say what's my favorite effect with editing is because there's just so much you can do. I mean, just yeah, Adobe right. Premiere alone. You don't even touch the special effects program cloud. Uh, after effects, you can just do so much. I mean, if I really wanted to, I can just animate me floating in space as if I was in the movie Gravity with Adobe yeah. Premiere. Of course, it won't look as good as the real film, but edit in a dinosaur chasing me you could just do so many great things and you can fix so many things too because in the set so many things can go wrong a light broke let's put it in post they're screaming okay let's remove that sound it's just so amazing how much you can do so Kiefer Jerry what do you think is one of your favorite parts of editing what kind of the process my favorite part of editing I I guess it would be this from me editing from personal experience once you finally get into it and you have your cuts and you know what you're going to do with it it's kind of relaxing you place your footage in and you figure out what you want to do I think it's fun as an editor to really especially um, our editing teacher Mr. Stevens says that good directors edit their own films people like the Coen brothers edit their own films and I can see why because as an editor you have to understand the emotional moments and cues for a film so you have so so a director if he's not editing his own work has to be there to tell the editor why what he wants. And if you're already the director of the film, you don't need anyone to tell you. You just know what to do. So I think my favorite aspect of it is you're watching a whole film frame by frame and it's interesting to see the little things because sometimes there's like a there's a frame you really love but it's only there for a split second but you know that one frame is really going to be an important role in your film so i think that's my favorite part really getting into the intricacy of film i agree with that 100 you're listening to kiss vs coming attractions on the voice of america kids network and today we will be talking about star wars episode four for hype of the new Star Wars movie we talked to lisa snyderman about her new cd do you believe in magic and also Mike Young, who is the CEO of Splash Entertainment, but we're going to continue talking to Kiefer about one of my most favorite things to do related to film, that is editing. And definitely agree with your point about directing. In fact, a lot of directors today, hint, hint for people who want to be directors, including me, you have to know a good amount of editing. I mean, Steven Spielberg, he was working his college nights at Universal cutting tapes, doing basic editing for films as an internship, and now he's one of the biggest directors, and I know that every film he makes, he's part of the editing in a big role, making sure everything fits perfectly. So, I do agree with you that uh, great directors are definitely very involved with editing. Definitely. What is one of the most proud things you've ever created with editing? Just, like, alone with editing software, (laughs) with footage, what do you think? Well, again, I'm not an experienced filmmaker. I'm still learning. But the more and more I edit, I think, well... A personal favorite. I don't know if this is like my Avengers Age of Ultron review. I was goofing off and I think what's fun about editing is when you finally get the hang of it, you're a kid in a candy store and you do whatever you gosh down want to. And I think that's what's fun about it. I love it when I open up and I'm saying I'm, I'm planning on making it like a formal review and I get my Iron Man glove and I shoot the screen and it breaks off in tiny little pieces and then it transports me to my whole Marvel collection and posters and books and everything. I'm in my costume. 
then we start the review. That was a personal favorite of mine because, again, it was silly. And I like being silly. If you don't know that already, Jerry. That's one of my favorite things, editing-wise, that I have personally done. Yeah, I actually remember talking to you about that when we were preparing for a video. I actually remember asking how you did that because I really like that special effect. I remember one of my most favorite things I've ever done is I was bored, so I hopped in After Effects, the special effects program, just kind of made an animated Dorito just swirling around dancing. <laughs> and it's just fun to see how much you can do. I made it do a 360 rotation, made it 3D. It's just so much fun to see how much you can do. Like you said, you're a kid in a candy store and you can do whatever you darn well please, even if it takes two hours or 10 minutes. It's just so amazing to see how much you can do. Definitely. What tips do you give to people who want to learn how to edit but they can't go to any fancy classes like we can? Use any editing software you have. Adobe Premiere is expensive. If you have Windows or Mac, Use iMovie. Use Movie Maker. People, uh, other filmmakers may say, oh, they were so simple. I spent most of my editing on Movie Maker for the longest time. People are going to say, it's terrible, but that's all you have. Work with it. You can do simple transitions. You can do simple music. If that's all you can do, just do it. That's my tip. And also, if you're going to edit, give yourself time to cut. Because if you just start a scene, it's going to be a pain to cut something before it make it jumpy. So wait five seconds and then shoot the scene. And also, have a lot of patience. It's If you're a perfectionist, it's hard to do it's it's um, editing is just for you because you want to be perfect with editing but you gotta have a lot of patience you just gotta be able to know like okay we're exporting okay we're rendering okay we're gonna have to cut this cut that do this and then everything else so yeah that's my tips if you don't have a fancy editing software it's fine use what you got and go out there and make the best films you can make I definitely agree with you on that I spent a good two years on Movie Maker before somebody gave me a copy of Final Cut Pro which I spent a good year on then I moved on to my first true love Adobe Premiere but <laughs> a Movie Maker iMovie they're very great programs you can do a lot of cool stuff especially iMovie which is designed to be a lot like Final Cut Pro 7 or Adobe Premiere and Movie Maker is just so unique and very nicely another great program is Sony Vegas and a big tip that I've learned is that before you render and export play your video back and make sure it's there good. you go yes that's so true I hate it when that happens because it takes a good 2-3 hours if you're exporting in like high definition quality I remember one video we were exporting in 4K and that took a good 3-4 hours to render and export and then I made one small little mistake in one scene and then we had to do the whole thing over again. Yeah. That's like half a day delayed. So Kiefer, yeah. uh, what did, was your first editing project? It doesn't matter if it's on Movie Maker or YouTube Editor. What was your first editing project? Okay. I found out Kids First. Randy Levy is listening in on this conversation. I just want to say this. My first ever editing experience was when we finally got done with the red carpet. When I turned on my footage, I was told I gave the editor a hard time because I didn't pause. So I'm thinking, you know what? And Randy doesn't know. I said this with a smart remark when I heard the email. I can edit my own things. So my first editing experience was the AFI Film Festival. So I we got some footage, we got some things, and I edited. I cannot tell you how much <laughs> I was crying and yelling at myself thinking, Kiefer, you didn't pause. And I can't believe the jumpiness and the how choppy it was because it was so hard. Well, my teacher calls, keep it flowing, flowetry. So that was by far the hardest editing process because I was so mad at myself. But what turned out was okay and Randy liked it, but I gotta say, I learned a lot editing-wise. So that was also on Movie Maker, Kids First AFI Film Festival, my first editing project. And boy, was that an experience. I have to agree with you. The first editing project is definitely quite an experience. Thank you so much for talking to me about the magical world of editing and your blog, which was all about editing. Thank you so much, Kiefer. Thank you. And now, since I know how to do a Premiere, you and 
here I can edit because Jerry was an experienced editor and now I can consider myself a mediocre one so we, I can catch up to him now yeah fun <laughs> fact after we do every kids first news highlights we actually Skype each other edit so now it's going to be a lot easier so we can work together thanks yep. so much for joining us you have been listening to kids first coming attractions be sure to watch our video reviews of the latest film and DVD releases and learn, sh- learn how you can become a kids first film critic go to www.kidsfirst.org be sure to check out our blog in the teen section of Huntington Post this show is produced by the Coalition for the Quality Children's Media on the Voice America Kids Network today's show is sponsored by Thomas Edison from Encircle Entertainment thanks for listening again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.